Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Nature's deadliest organisms. His head was elephant man-like. It just was grotesquely swollen. They can hijack our bodies. It was the most awful feeling I've ever experienced. Disable our immune systems. And that can cause numerous problems for the host. And eat us from within. I'm really, really, really scared now. For those infected, they are the monsters inside me. Leslie and Patrick Abrams Sr. head up a bustling household in Fontana, California. The Abrams have their hands full raising three young boys, but look forward to visits from their oldest son, 21-year-old Patrick Jr., who is living with friends and following his dream of becoming an artist. Patrick really enjoyed drawing. He would draw these elaborate designs. I think he might have even surprised himself at... Um, how well he could do it. He was headed in the general direction, I believe, of some type of computer graphic artist. So he was exploring different colleges that um, might offer those types of courses for him to uh, further his, uh, his knowledge and uh, interest in it. One spring afternoon, Patrick Jr. arrives at his family's house for a weekend of babysitting while his parents head out of town. Patrick was dressed in a red hoodie sweatshirt and uh, some dark sunglasses. His face was kind of shrouded. I noticed he seemed to be kind of moving a little bit slow. Maybe something's not quite right. He simply stated that he felt achy, feverish, and he had a really bad sore throat. I wasn't overly concerned. It was just, I thought, a matter of him getting some good medication and some food in him and some rest and uh, that he would, you know, that he would be okay in a couple of days. But a few moments later, something changes Patrick Sr.'s mind. At that point, he had removed the hoodie from his head, and I noticed directly underneath his chin, on the right side, all the way to the top of his head, just, it almost was 
elephant man-like. It just was grotesquely swollen and disproportionate in shape. According to Patrick Jr., the strange symptoms have plagued him for weeks. Concerned, Patrick Sr. investigates further. I removed his glasses. At that point, I noticed that his eyes were very yellow. I was very puzzled as to what could be going on. I knew that we were in trouble and that we needed to get Patrick to an emergency room as soon as possible. I loaded him up as quickly as I could. On our way there, I kept peppering Patrick with questions. Were you in a fight? Did you go to a party and maybe somebody slipped something in your drink? He emphatically denied, you know, any drugs, any alcohol, any head trauma. What he was saying versus the way that he was carrying himself, it, it, didn't, it didn't add up. 20 minutes later, the Abrams arrive at the hospital and Patrick Jr. is rushed into the ER. The only information that anybody could really tell me or that they were certain of was that the yellowing of the eyes indicated that the liver was shutting down. Some type of infection was attacking his organs. It was very frightening. Over the next few hours, doctors work furiously to determine what's causing Patrick Jr.'s bizarre symptoms. It was getting rapidly worse. I noticed in talking that he was laboring when he talked and answered questions. I hadn't really realized, though, that he was having trouble actually breathing. So they were concerned with, uh, with his lungs and what might be going on in the chest area. Doctors take Patrick Jr. in for an emergency CAT scan of his chest. When the CT scan's results came back, it revealed that Patrick was suffering from double pneumonia. Both lungs were riddled with pockets of infections. He's not getting any better, and they still didn't have any answers. I had to come to terms that whatever was, uh, was inside of him basically was killing him. With his condition worsening by the minute, doctors transfer Patrick to the ICU and start him on IV antibiotics to combat the pneumonia. Leslie joins the family in the hospital and they spend the rest of the night waiting for test results. But the next morning, the Abrams receive some devastating news. Nothing that they saw or tested or anything that they did revealed what this cause was or what this infection was. And I'm really, really, really scared now. The doctor said, Patrick doesn't know how sick he is. He doesn't realize how sick he is. And I said, well, what do you mean? The doctor explained that the infection just took charge of everything inside of him. It just was consuming him and his organs. As he watches his son deteriorate, Patrick Sr. is haunted by some heartbreaking memories. Leslie and I, in 1995, we had a child, David, who was born, born a little premature, and he'd only lived for about three and a half weeks. So I've kind of been down that road before with a young one. I asked the doctor if my son was gonna make it or if he was gonna die. And she said, if we don't find out what's wrong, you will lose your son. 
At that point, all we could do is just pray for a miracle that somebody's going to diagnose this and figure out what's wrong with it. At a loss to explain the symptoms, the on-call doctor reviews Patrick's case with Dr. Jeffrey Roberts. I was discussing the case with my resident. He had told me some of the things that were going on with Patrick, and something came to mind that I heard about when I was a resident. I had never seen it, but um, it was something that I was considering at that point. Following this hunch, Dr. Roberts examines Patrick's many CAT scans. I found that he had a clot in his right internal jugular vein, and this was the thing that really cinched the diagnosis. He had Lemire syndrome. Lemire syndrome is usually caused by a bacterium called Fusobacterium necroforum. When the bacteria enter the bloodstream, they trigger a chain of events that can end in death. Inside Patrick's jugular vein, specialized cells surrounded the fusobacteria to kill off the infection and prevent blood loss. As more and more cells amassed around the bacteria, they formed a clot. Now, as blood passes through the vein, pieces of the infected clot splinter off and travel through Patrick's body, where they block smaller vessels, causing swelling, and form abscesses in the liver and lungs, resulting in organ failure. At this point, Patrick was getting worse. And without the right treatment, he would probably die. That was very scary. It was a deadly disease. It would kill you. For a father to be in that situation, helpless doesn't even begin to describe it. It scares the living daylights out of you. We prayed that he would hold on. But we were afraid that he was going to die. Leslie and Patrick Abrams Sr. are in the intensive care unit with their son, Patrick Jr., who is fighting for his life. A bacterial infection called Lemire syndrome is ravaging Patrick Jr.'s body, shutting down his lungs and liver in the process. Now we know what it is, now how are you going to make it better? There were just so many things wrong with him at that point that I wanted to make sure they could bring him back to health. Dr. Jeffrey Roberts starts Patrick on a specialized IV antibiotic to target the bacteria. But with the infection ravaging his body, the doctor must take more extreme measures. Because the infected clot that was in his jugular vein was continuing to shower these septic particles throughout his body, causing abscesses, and the decision was made that we would remove his internal jugular vein. The next morning, doctors prep Patrick Jr. for surgery. The surgery itself was pretty risky. There was a chance that with manipulation of the vein that the clot could dislodge and travel through his heart into his lung, which would kill him. Knowing that he was going to have to have throat surgery was quite alarming. Anything can go wrong. So it was something that we weren't looking forward to, but at least we knew that successful surgery would mean that they would remove the source of this infection. Dr. Roberts puts Patrick under general anesthesia and carefully removes the infected portion of the jugular vein. An hour later, the Abrams receive a status report. Thankfully, the surgery went off without a hitch and we were able to remove the infected area. It was just a matter now of how soon the antibiotics would start to work and uh, we'd be able to get him out of there, you know, hopefully in a couple of weeks. I was very relieved. But just four days later, Patrick Jr.'s recovery comes to a grinding halt. He began complaining of his head hurting to the point where it was hurting him so badly. It was just unbearable. 
and I went to the side of his bed, and I noticed that his right eye was protruding from the eye socket. It almost looked like if you would have kind of patted him in the back of the head, his eye would have just fallen out. I became very scared that something was amiss and not right. Doctors perform an emergency MRI on Patrick's brain. Two hours later, a neurosurgeon visits the Abrams. The source of the protrusion was a large infectious pocket in the brain, and they were very concerned that if that medication didn't stop it from growing, that he would start to have possible seizures, brain damage. The doctor said that surgery would need to be done. Patrick was afraid. That's what he told his father. Am I gonna die? We were scared to death because we were under the assumption that we were out of the woods. It took a lot for me to have the strong, brave face that I needed to let him know, you know, this is what he was facing. One bad move and that he could die. With Patrick's brain riddled with fusobacteria, doctors prep him for emergency surgery. Patrick Sr. remains by his son's side until the very last moment. We were both scared out of our minds. All I wanted him to know was that I loved him. And he doesn't say that he loves, he doesn't say he loves you back a lot, but I remember he squeezed my hand and he said, I love you too, Dad. During the surgery, the medical team opens up Patrick's skull and drains the abscesses that have formed in his brain. Three hours later, doctors wheel Patrick Jr. back to his room in the ICU. First time I saw him after the brain surgery, I was really worried, even though they tell you, you know, they're not going to the part that affects memory or, or anything like that. We went into the ICU room where he was. He was smiling, said, hey, Dad and he didn't have any memory loss, so I was overall just very, very happy and relieved. Patrick remains in the hospital while the antibiotics work to rid his body of the lingering infection. But the Abrams are left to wonder how their son became so sick in the first place. Like many other bacteria, Fusobacterium necroforum is often found in the mouths of healthy individuals. While in the mouth, the bacteria are relatively harmless but if the person has a sore throat, the bacteria can move through the inflamed tissue in the throat and into the jugular vein. And if the bacteria do reach the jugular vein, they can be deadly. Upon discovering that it's something that we all have and there's nothing that you can do to prevent it was very scary. It's, it's like a reverse lotto, you know? How unlucky do you have to be for this to happen to you? Fortunately, the insidious disease was caught in time, and the Abrams can breathe a sigh of relief as Patrick Jr. slowly turns the corner. Three weeks later, with his body clear of infection, Patrick Jr. finally goes home. And one year after his harrowing ordeal, Patrick is back in pursuit of his dream of becoming a graphic artist. And my ultimate goal is to keep working and hopefully save up enough so I can attend school somewhere and get my degree in some sort of graphic arts design. Almost losing a child gives a parent a really strong appreciation for your kids. I just cherish and love every minute that I have because I know um, through experience that it could be taken away from you in a heartbeat. 
Lemire syndrome is extremely rare. It's thought that the chances of contracting the disease are less than one in a million. While not much can be done to avoid contracting the Fusobacterium itself, early diagnosis can prevent an infection from progressing to Lemire syndrome. I was scared that my child had a mental illness. I knew that I wasn't making these symptoms up. I knew that something was wrong with me. Brittany Goff is an active 13-year-old growing up in Damascus, Maryland with her mother, Patty. The ninth grader enjoys school and hanging out with friends, but always looks forward to coming home to explore the Maryland wilderness. There was a huge woods behind my mom's house, and I just absolutely loved going out there every single day and playing in the creek back there. I spent the majority of my time outside in the woods. But there's another outdoor environment where Brittany also feels at home, the soccer field. She was a great player. She was on her uh, school team and on two other teams. They used to call her a gazelle because she would run from one into the other and she had really long legs. I loved playing soccer. It was my favorite sport. My ultimate dream was to get a scholarship for soccer to go to college. One Saturday afternoon, Brittany's soccer team is playing a semifinal match against their arch rival. I was doing very well through the first half of the game, but after about halfway through, I just felt completely out of breath and fatigued and just worn out. I had no energy. I felt really weak, which was not normal for me. I was concerned because it was very unusual for Brittany to slow down. Until she laid down to go to sleep at night, she was always moving. Over the course of the next few months, the unexplainable fatigue persists. Practice was coming a lot harder than it used to be. And after soccer practice was over, I'd come home. I would just plop down on the couch and take a nap. It got to the point where Brittany was pretty much a permanent fixture on our couch. She went from this energetic little girl to this lethargic preteen. That's when it hit home to me that it was time to start seeing the doctor and getting to the bottom of what was going on with her. Patty takes Brittany to the family physician who orders a battery of tests. A week later, the results are in. He sat us down and he told me that something did come back on my blood work. He said something is not right. I was really worried that something serious was going on with her. After six months of suffering from chronic fatigue, 14-year-old soccer player Brittany Goff barely has the energy to make it off the couch. Now, after running a battery of blood tests, Brittany's doctor thinks he has uncovered a reason for her mysterious symptoms. He told me that something did come back on my blood work, and he told me that I have a disease called hemochromatosis. Hemochromatosis is a genetic condition which causes the body to absorb too much iron from food. As a result, patients commonly suffer from extreme fatigue. The doctor explained to us, usually in your mid-40s, you start having symptoms, that she was very young to be showing this. I did think it was unusual that she was showing symptoms that someone in their 40s would. Brittany is put on a treatment program to remove excess iron from her blood. 
By her junior year, Brittany's constant fatigue is wearing her down, and her dreams of a normal high school life begin slipping away. Weekends, all my friends would go out and hang out, but I just stayed home, just wanting to go to bed early and sleep. I wanted anything in the world just to be a normal teenager. Her levels of iron were coming down in her blood, and she was still tired as she ever was. I wasn't quite sure what was going on. My health started getting so bad. I had to quit soccer. It was just heartbreaking to me having to quit the sport that I absolutely loved. I just felt like I was being robbed of my life. Patty continues to search for reasons for her daughter's health problems. Every doctor wanted to blame it back on her, that she was making this up and that she was doing this for attention. I was torn. I wasn't sure if this was real symptoms or if they were in her head. I was scared that my child had a mental illness. I wasn't really sure of anything anymore. I was really hurt that nobody would believe me, but I knew that I wasn't crazy. I knew that I wasn't making these symptoms up. I knew that something was wrong with me. Over the course of the next two years, Brittany trudges through high school, barely managing to graduate. In the fall, the 18-year-old enrolls in a local community college. My alarm went off for class one morning, and my entire body just felt like I had been hit by a truck. It was like a sharp joint pain in my entire body. It was the most awful feeling I've ever experienced in my life. I was in tears crying. I had to call my mom to come and get me. I had never seen Brittany in that much pain. She was sobbing and crying and crying to me like a little girl how bad she hurt. That was a terrifying moment for me, and I realized that I had to find out what was wrong with her. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Patty immediately schedules an appointment with a new physician. She sat with us and listened to Brittany's entire story. After listening, she said she might have a few ideas. Then she wanted to do some blood work. I was so desperate to just finding an answer. It just felt like my world was falling apart. Four days later, Brittany returns to the doctor's office for the results. My doctor told me she had some news. I had tested positive for Lyme disease. Lyme disease is caused by the bacterium Borrelia burgdorferi. Inside Brittany's body, the bacteria has traveled through the bloodstream and settled in the tissue surrounding the joints. Now, her immune system is continually attacking the bacteria, producing a series of chemical reactions that result in joint pain and extreme fatigue. I was really scared. I'd heard horror stories of people being crippled from Lyme disease. I was very worried about what her future looked like with these type of symptoms. Brittany's doctor prescribes a three-week course of antibiotics. After I completed my three-week course of antibiotics, I felt worse. I was really confused, and I had no idea why it was happening. For the next two years, Brittany is in and out of doctor's offices in a desperate search for help. But her condition only deteriorates. I ended up having to drop out of school because I just wasn't capable of even getting up and going to class. I felt like a 20-year-old trapped inside a 90-year-old's body. I could just slowly feel myself dying each day. She was just sitting at home, wrapped up in a blanket. It was almost like living with a shell of a person. She just wasn't there. It's the most painful thing to watch your own child suffer. It was terrifying knowing that I was going to live the rest of my life like this. I told myself if the pain gets worse, I just didn't even want to live anymore. For nearly five years, Brittany Goff suffered at the hands of a mysterious illness that left her chronically fatigued and in constant pain. But after being diagnosed with Lyme disease, she thought she'd found an answer to her health problems. Now, two years after that diagnosis, the 20-year-old's condition is becoming intolerable. I told myself if the pain gets worse, I just didn't even want to live anymore. At the end of her rope, Brittany makes a last-ditch appointment with Dr. Daniel Joller. Her symptoms were compatible with a diagnosis of chronic Lyme disease. But I began to suspect there might be something else going on in addition to Lyme disease. Dr. Joller orders a series of blood tests to confirm his hunch. One month later, Brittany and Patty get the results. 
Brittany's test results, it showed that not only did she have persistent Lyme disease, but also confirmed that she was suffering also from babesiosis. I had never heard of babesiosis before in my life. I was completely shocked. Babesiosis is caused by a protozoan parasite called Babesia microti. When a person's infected, the parasite targets red blood cells, which transport oxygen throughout the body, and that can cause numerous problems for the host. Inside Brittany's bloodstream, the Babesia parasites continue to invade red blood cells, where they feed and reproduce. Eventually, the parasites destroy the red blood cells, flooding the body with their offspring. As the Babesia parasites wipe out the cells, Brittany's oxygen levels decrease, resulting in extreme fatigue. It was very frightening and scary to know that I've had a parasite living in my body for the past eight years and I didn't even know it. In many cases, those infected don't experience any symptoms because their spleen is able to remove the infected cells from the blood. But when the body's immune system is compromised by another condition such as Lyme disease, the spleen can become overworked and the Babesia parasite takes hold. If that happens, the consequences can be dire. The main fear that I had was that I was going to die because it can greatly affect you and kill you if you have a compromised immune system, which I had because I had Lyme disease that wasn't treated for so long. I was very scared. I was just concerned with what the treatment was, how long would it take, uh, would she be better, would she be worse? Dr. Joller prescribes a course of long-term antibiotic and antiparasitic medications to rid Brittany's body of foreign organisms. But as she begins her recovery, Brittany's haunted by one question. How did she become infected in the first place? Babesia parasites and Lyme disease bacteria are often found in the salivary glands of deer ticks. When an infected tick bites a human, both the parasite and the bacteria can enter the bloodstream and infect the host. I started thinking back and remembered the deer tick that I pulled off of her when she was about six years old. After my mom picked the deer tick off of me, a few days later I got a huge bullseye rash on me. So my mom took me to the doctor and they put me on a short course of antibiotics and everything was fine after that. Doctors think that this is how Brittany contracted the diseases. Both babesiosis and Lyme disease can lie dormant for several years after a person has become infected. In these cases, the onset of symptoms can be triggered by a range of factors, including stress, trauma, or other illnesses. With the cause of her daughter's chronic illness now clear, Patty reflects on the years of uncertainty. When I look back at Brittany's entire childhood, I have a lot of guilt for feeling the feelings that I had that maybe it was in her head. It was hard for me to come to grips with knowing that my child was in such pain and there were times that I didn't have compassion for her. And I feel like I should have been a, uh, you know, a more compassionate mother in those times. During my recovery, I have had some angry and frustrating feelings towards my family for not believing me, but I've just kind of learned to let them go and 
forgive and put it in my past. Today, Brittany remains on her medications and is seeing improvement every day. Currently, I am a student. I enrolled back in college. I go to a four-year university. I'm finally starting to put my life back together. It's the best thing in the world for me to see my daughter actually living her life actively the way she was meant to be. I feel like I actually have my child back. Ticks that spread Lyme disease and babesiosis are endemic to the American Northeast, but cases have also been reported in the Mid-Atlantic and other U.S. states. To avoid becoming infected, check for ticks after participating in outdoor activities in endemic areas and wear repellent that contains DEET. I thought my whole chest was going to rot. My biggest fear was she would die if she didn't get it taken care of. Candy Negrete is a healthy 48-year-old living in Modesto, California. An avid hiker and swimmer, Candy likes staying in shape, a trait that aids her in her job, working in shipping and receiving for a large software company. It was part of my job to be physical, constantly, nonstop. No matter what it was, I had to move it and take it and deliver. I had so many friends from so many departments. I just loved it. But there's another reason Candy enjoys going to work every day. Romance. Well, I was the only woman and nothing but construction men. Everybody knew me. I met Dewey there. Candy was always talking to people and funny, and you know, I thought she had a nice set of legs. Everybody did. <laughs> a month later, after we started seriously going out, he asked me, will you move in with me? Sure. Pack my things and here I go. One morning, on a rare day off, Candy is getting ready for a long hike. So I was in the shower. When I put my hand to my breast, it felt very weird, like somebody put marbles inside of me. What do I have growing inside of me? Cancer is the, the first thing that came into mind. I was scared. Later that day, Candy visits her doctor and undergoes a series of x-rays. There was a cluster of cysts on my right breast, and there were several large ones on my left breast. And the doctor told me that he wanted to remove the clusters. I was very concerned what the outcome would be. Are they going to go in and find out it is cancer? Then what? I thought of dying. A week later, Dewey drives Candy to the hospital for her surgery. You don't want to think chemo and radiation and all of that. You hope nothing would happen, but things do happen. Candy is wheeled into the OR, where the surgeon carefully removes her collection of cysts. Two hours later, Candy wakes up in the recovery room, where her doctor delivers some encouraging news. The doctor had mentioned to me that it was no big surgery. It was just little incision, and he said, you would heal quick, you go to work in a couple days, no problem whatsoever. I was relieved. You still got the thoughts of uh, the biopsies coming back and the idea that something still might be wrong. That's always in the back of your mind, but I was hoping that was the end of it. 
Candy returns home and begins her recovery. But the next morning, she wakes up to a peculiar sensation. Felt like I was cold, like I was wet. Like somebody had dropped water on me. I open my eyes and I pull the sheets up and I, I see this splodge of red. And I just jumped out of the bed. The bed was covered in blood. My right breast was oozing through the incision. They just kept pouring out through the stitches. I just, I just freaked out. Less than 24 hours after a procedure to remove cysts from both her breasts, Candy Negrete is waking up to a living nightmare. Her right breast is bleeding and oozing pus. My breast was so huge. I mean, huge and purple. I thought it was going to burst. I thought my whole chest was going to rot. I couldn't understand why my, my right breast would be like that and not my left. It looked like she'd been in a wreck. I didn't know what to do or how to take care of it. I mean, I'd never seen anything like this before. Dewey rushes Candy back to the hospital, where she's immediately taken to the operating room. When the doctor cut the stitches, my breath just exploded. And this fluid just kept flowing everywhere, and he couldn't have enough gauzes to clean it all up. It was a living nightmare. The doctor drains and cleans the infection in Candy's breast. An hour later, she is released. At that point, they still hadn't figured out what was really going on. But I took her home and hoping for the best that it was just going to go away. And that was just a, a, a fluky thing that things happen. Candy stays home from work and slowly begins to feel relief from her constant pain. Three days later, the doctor brings her in to review her biopsy results. My doctor told me that the biopsy was fine. There was no cancer, but there was no explanation what caused the infection. I was ecstatic. Great, I'm going back to work. As her breast begins to heal, Candy returns to work. I was changing boxes. My arm brushed around my right breast and I felt a lump and it just freaked me out. It felt like I had half a tennis ball inside of me and it was frightening to have uh, that sensation. What is growing inside me now? My mind went back to cancer all over again. I started crying and, and carrying on. I was hysterical. That night, Candy returns home and tells Dewey about her strange new symptom. My thoughts right from the beginning were, what's in there? What caused this? She didn't have that before. And I kept telling her, maybe you need another doctor to look at this thing. I didn't want to go back to the doctor. I didn't want to be cut open again and go through the pain and suffering. For the next eight weeks, Candy does her best to grin and bear it. The lump kept growing. It got bigger and bigger where I couldn't even bring my arm down. It started like I'm, I'm growing another breast. I thought, how big is it going to get? What is this thing growing out of me if it's not a tumor? My biggest fear was she would die if she didn't get it taken care of. I mean, it was obvious this thing keeps growing and growing and growing. It 
You can't have that. Something's gonna give. Then, one day, Candy finally breaks down and makes a last-minute appointment with a new doctor. The doctor felt my side of my breast. And right off the bat, he said, there's something inside of you. I was shocked. What do I have inside? There was something growing inside of me, eating me alive, like a parasite. What could it possibly be what's growing inside? It was very scary to hear that. He did not emphasize what it was. He was going to call my doctor who performed the surgery the first time. I started going really hysterical. I thought I really was dying, you know. Candy is immediately sent to the hospital where her first procedure was performed. Dewey races to meet her there. At that point, I was panicking. It's a really scary thought. You know, there's something in there. That's just as bad as having cancer. It could kill you just as quick, if not quicker. The surgeon opens Candy's right breast once again and carefully removes the strange lump. Three hours later, Candy wakes up in the recovery room. When I came to after the surgery and the first person that was leaning over me, looking down at me, was my doctor. He just said to me, we removed the problem. When he told me what he had found, I just couldn't believe it. I was thinking the worst. I didn't know what was going on. The doctor told me that two surgical sponges were left inside of me from the first surgery. I was speechless. A surgical sponge is a sterile pad used by doctors to control bleeding during surgery. Very rarely, patients are sewn up with these sponges left inside them. When that happens, the body's immune system tries to destroy the sponge, but when that fails, the immune system walls it off from the other tissues. Inside Candy's breast, the immune system sent specialized cells to attack the foreign object. These cells incited inflammation in the tissue around the sponges. But the cells were unable to break down the massive sponges, so the surrounding tissue began forming a protective barrier around them, trying to prevent harm to the body. Retained surgical sponges often cause no symptoms at all and can remain unnoticed for decades. But in some cases, sponges that are left behind can lead to organ failure, blood poisoning, and even death. To me, it was unbelievable, very unbelievable. I felt very angry for all the pain and suffering they put me through. I cannot understand how careless can you be. I felt sorry for Candy because she had went on so long with this thing. I didn't know whether somebody had made a mistake there, not knowing the procedures to go through. Something happened, something slipped, and nobody saw it. Surgeries involving the chest, stomach, or pelvis usually require between 250 and 300 tools. Medical professionals are required by law to count all the instruments in and out of the surgical area, but accidents can happen. I felt relief because it was not cancer and it was not a tumor it was not a parasite I don't have the words to tell you how much hate I felt it's unreal nightmare today with the help of her husband Candy is trying to put the past behind her Dewey and I we finally got married after so several years he's been very supportive you know encouraged me to do better to 
to overcome this ordeal? Everything seems to be going great now. She makes me jealous because she's got so much energy anymore. <laughs> I see her bouncing around like a kid. Like, I can't believe it. The incidence of retained foreign objects following a surgery is very rare, but it's estimated that this may happen in as many as one out of every 9,000 surgeries. Today, some hospitals are developing innovative techniques, such as scanning barcoded instruments during operations, to reduce the chances of surgeons leaving their tools inside their patients. For more blood-curdling monsters and their hideous habits, visit our website, animalplanet.com slash monstersinsideme. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.